0: Well, hey everybody! It's good to see you all tonight. It feels like it's been a lot longer than one week, like that we missed one week since I'd seen you all. I missed you all, um, so it's really good to see you all. So, uh, I hope you've all had a good week. I hope you enjoyed um, some snow and all that stuff, and it was yeah, it was fun. So, uh, welcome to RUF. If this is your first time, welcome. Um, I hope that you get a little bit of an idea of, a, of the vision of what we're trying to do here um, through singing and through talking about life and by having fun and all that kind of stuff. So um, keep hanging out with us. At least give it a shot. If this is your first time, come back for a couple of weeks. And uh, um, Yeah, we're, uh, we're glad you're here. Um, let me say this, if you're an old friend, if you're an old friend of RUF and you're like, yeah, I like this scene, then bring a friend. <laughs> Share the well, as it were. And if there's something here where you're like, ah, this is no good for me, then tell us about it and we'll work on it together. And I'll probably have you help be part of the solution. <laughs> um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, so that we can grow together. So. Um, so this, this uh, semester, we're, we're looking at the topic of relationships, of what do we do uh, with the messy and also glorious world of relationships, friendships, dating, marriage, kind of all of it, um, and tonight we have the really fun topic of parents. Uh, what do we do with our parents in college and uh, all that stuff? Parents are awesome. We love them. They care for us, but they can also be really frustrating. And so, uh, with the very real stuff of life with our parents, what does the Bible have to say about that? So, um, I know that this is a big deal for all of y'all. I know it's on your mind. Uh, Before we dig in, I just have to sort of give a caveat to this discussion uh, to say that this is a really, really diverse room. There are a bunch of different stories about parents in this room. And it's impossible for me to sort of speak to all of those different backgrounds and contexts, and, uh, and, and how, we, how, we have, how we've had our parents approach us and how we think about our parents is going to skew how we think about what the Bible has to say about that. Uh, and it does for me. Like, I'll be honest. I grew up in a family with, a, with, like, a really great set of parents, and they loved me well, and they cared for me. Some of you, that's not been the case. Like, you don't have parents who cared for you well, or you only had one parent, or um, your parents are split, or something like that. And... Um, that's going to skew how you think about that. So I can't possibly speak tonight with all the nuance that's needed for where you are. Um, so if there's something that you would want to talk about, you can shoot free to shoot me a text um, and we'll talk about it afterwards real briefly. Or um, if there's more, you know, grab coffee. Like Patty said, I'm always down to listen and um, explore more with you. So... Um, Tonight, let's look at this text and and go in it from here. So this is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Let me pray real quick. Lord, we're coming in from a bunch of different places this week. We're coming in from hard classes. We're coming in from maybe a good weekend, maybe a hard weekend, and yet here we all are in one room, sitting together, listening to your word, listening to me talk about it. I pray that in all the diverse backgrounds that are here, that you would speak and move in special and powerful ways. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, uh, what are we talking about tonight? We're talking about parents, and you know, three verses, it's pretty quick, what Paul calls us to. He, he calls us here to obey and honor our parents. Obey and honor our parents. And so I want to look at that in three different ways. First, the goal. The goal that Paul is calling us to as children. Second, the reality of that. And third, the power to it. So the goal, the reality, and the power. And so let's start with the goal. A couple of days ago, I was watching, I was flipping through Disney Plus trying to find a movie to watch because there's a billion movies out there and I couldn't choose which one I wanted to watch. You know, it's like analysis paralysis and once I like move, there's nothing on Disney so I move on to Netflix, there's nothing on Netflix so I move on to Hulu, there's nothing on Hulu so I go back to Disney. And like, when I was a kid, I would have been content with one of any of them. But anyways, I was looking at Disney, and as I was, uh, I was reliving a lot of the, the, the movies that are sort of the out-from-the-vault movies about Disney Plus, and, uh, you know, reliving, watching some of these movies. And at the same time that I was doing, doing, flipping through all these movies, I was reflecting on this passage, because I knew that Tuesday night was going to come, and we were going to talk about it. And I was remembering and I was reminded about how many of these movies dealt with parents in one way or the other. So many Disney movies deals with parents because, spoiler alert, they're for kids who are (laughs) dealing with their parents. And as I reflected on some of these movies, I was kind of playing them through in my head from the 90s and 1000s when I was a kid. I was like, wait a minute. There's dozens, of do- uh, dozens and dozens of movies that, that deal with parents or parental figures. And a lot of these movies kind of had bad views of parents. <laughs> uh, there were like a couple of major tropes or themes for these movies. Like there was the bumbling idiot parents, like Aladdin, maybe uh, Beauty and the Beast or a goofy movie, or uh, maybe even Finding Nemo. Uh, there was the oppressive tyrant parents, like Cinderella or Pocahontas or even Mulan Little Mermaid, Moana, something like that. And then there was just like the absent parents. They were just noticeably not there, like Peter Pan. And uh, so, you know, there are some exceptions to that. There's like the Incredibles and Inside Out and that sort of thing. But on the whole, a lot of the movies that we had, that we watched as kids kind of put parents in a bad light, which was interesting to me. Overall, the message we received is that our parents are either silly and dated or mean and not trustworthy or just not around at all. And like I said at the beginning, maybe some of you have experienced that actually in your real life to some extent. And so here we are as kids watching these movies and we're getting a vision. Some of our earliest thoughts are being formed about our parents by a non-Christian culture that our parents aren't necessarily trustworthy or there for us that they're either fools or tyrants or absent. And I was thinking about that. That's actually really similar to what Paul is writing to when he writes to the Ephesian church, when he writes what we just read, that the culture has informed this world about how their parents should operate. In fact, he's writing to a non-Christian culture to this church in Ephesus, which was a, a city in Asia Minor, or that is modern-day Turkey. And he's writing about this parent-child relationship. And like Disney Channels, like the Disney movies, the Ephesians church had been very much influenced in a way that does not look at parents in a really particularly good way. Ephesus was sort of like this major metropolitan city, kind of like El Paso is today, where it's just this, or LA or something like that, this confluence of economic forces and political forces and different people and all these things coming together together. And it was the dominant city in, in, this, in this area, in the Roman Empire. And at this place, there's this hinge around the society, which is the paterfamilias, the male leader in the family. The family was, everything hinged around this man. And, and um, the man was the king of the house in a lot of ways. This is what the culture was that Paul is writing to. He was the, the king of the house. Dads could literally do whatever they wanted in the household back then, we have texts that tell this. Ancient texts that explain that if a dad didn't like his newborn baby, he could just take it out and put it on the side of the road and leave it there. It's like I don't want it. He just leave this baby there, and either somebody would have to, out of the kindness of their heart, take it out to, and take it into their home, or it would it died of exposure. Um, a Roman father could legally sell his children into slavery. He could punish them any way he liked in the house with impunity, even to the point of beating them to death. And no one could say anything about it because he was the king of the house. And his power over them, that power that the Potter familias had over the kid, extended throughout the life of the kid. There was no turning 18 and saying, you don't have that authority anymore. The child was always under this almost tyrannical rule of his father. And so it's into this culture that has a pretty, pretty brutal view of a parent, kind of like ours that Paul writes this letter to children and says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What is Paul thinking? <laughs> How can he write that? How can he give this, this idea to his, you know in this world? And it's because of this. It's because Paul has a vision or a goal in his mind for what the parent-child relationship could be that is so different from what it is in the Ephesian world. He has what I'll call a competing goal or an alternate vision, an alternative goal for the child-parent relationship. Paul is asking, what does it look like to be in Christ in this relationship? What does it look like if Christian love was the distinctive feature of the parent child relationship? And actually, there's an element here where Paul is almost subtly trying to subversively co opt the, Christi- the, the, the parent child relationship, which was really quite toxic back then, and say, actually, this thing can be the source and center of a new revival and regeneration within the family and within the whole culture. That the Christian faith, and this is true factually, the Christian faith actually started a subversive culture about this idea that children deserve respect and love and tenderness. Because the culture didn't say that. They said, you can do whatever you want to your kids. And it's Paul who starts to say, actually, no, what if, if everything is true about what the Christian faith teaches, about the value and dignity of every human being, then something is wrong with this Ephesian culture. And he's saying, I want to recast, I want a new vision for what the child-parent relationship can be. And he summarizes that goal actually in an earlier text uh, in what he says in 521. I didn't print that, but I'm going to read it here. He says this, he says, Give thanks always for everything to to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ submitting to one another out of rever- reverence for Christ. And then from that point on, he says, okay, if this is the goal, Christians submitting to Christian in every way, what does that look like in marriage? What does that look like in economics? What does that look like in the home with children, with parents? He's saying we, can, we as Christians can have a better way about being children and parents in a, in a mutual submitting to each other. His goal here is to bring peace into homes and to humanize what is an antagonistic relationship, including the parent-child relationship here. He envisions a home full of mutual respect, fueled by love, where children obey and respect their parents, and where parents can cherish and nurture and encourage their children. That's his goal. That's a great goal. In contrast with what the culture has. For the parent-child relationship, Madeline, can you crack the door? It is hot in here. At least it's hot. Is it hot to you? I'm dying up here. I don't know about the rest of you. Um, sorry, Bella. Put your heated jacket on. Uh, <laughs> so he gives this, and, he, and so he says, "Here's the goal." Here's what I want, and he says why. He gives two incentives to this. For verse 1, he says, for this is right. Obey your, obey your parents because this is right. He says, it's because it aligns with common sense. Children should obey their parents, and that's just the way the world works for the thriving and good of the world. He says, imagine a home that if it was run by the child and the parents obeyed the child. What do we have? We have a word for that. It's spoiled. It's <laughs> spoiled. When you see the wrongness of that, when parents obey the children, you get Dudley Dursley of Harry Potter, and no one likes that. The spoiled brat. He gives a second incentive. He says, That it may go well with you in the land, in verses 2 and 3. And right there, Paul is quoting the fifth commandment. He says, It says, this has been God's goal for the home all along, since the fifth commandment, way back when the Israelites were first encountering God, that, that the children should honor obey their parents. And he says the reason for that is that it may go well with you in the land. That is, that, that people flourish, when this this relationship of love, this relationship of mutual right submitting to each other as parent child child, when that happens, it goes well for God's people. So that principle applies today. So what's the nuts and bolts of this mean? It means that we are called as children to obey and honor our parents. Obey means that we do what they say and we we submit to their authority and their word. And honor means that we respect and esteem them as the authority in our family. So here's Paul's goal here. It's a subversive vision that's contrary to the culture's view of parents and kids in hostility. It's a vision where Christian parents nurture and care for and support their children. And it's a vision where Christian children obey and honor and submit to their parents. All for the flourishing and peace of the home. And it's a great vision. And as as you think about it more, that vision that Paul has, that kind of smacks us up against the reality of a lot of our homes, right? And that brings us to the second point, the reality. The reality that we live in homes with imperfect parents and with sinful children, and that all of a sudden prompts a bunch of questions in all of us, right? What if my parents aren't Christians? What if my parents tell me to do something that's against Scripture? What if my parents don't have a reason for me to obey? What if my parents are cruel? Do I obey them without question? Does Paul effectively mean that I'm supposed to be a slave to my parents? How is this? You don't know my parents, Paul. And that comes us up with the reality of living in a world that's affected by sin. That sin affects, and it affects deeply and so much so that it harms our relationships with our parents and it makes them really, really hard That's something you don't need me to tell you about because I know each of one of you is right now thinking about a hard relationship with your parent that happened in the last six months. (laughs) You know about the reality of hard relationships with your parents. And we have to return again to this image of glorious ruins that I've talked a lot about as we've talked about relationships. That we as each person is a glorious ruin. And that comes from a great pastor named Francis Schaefer, who in the 70s he described us as glorious ruins. He says, picture us as a as a picture. Hit the picture, Joe. Go to the next slide. Oh great. Whatever. (laughs) So I had so last week I had a picture, but then large group didn't happen. So picture in your mind a cathedral. I had this great picture of a cathedral. Just look up a ruined cathedral. You'll see what I found. It's the first picture on Google. Um, It's a a picture of a church that had so much beauty in it. And you can just see that this church had so much beauty when it was built and it was at its height. Uh, It was a beautiful place of worship and these sparkling stained glass and the smell of incense and music and beauty. And it's like, yes, this is so much goodness. And now we look at it and we say, and it's just a piled up moss-covered piece of... Rock that's a shadow of what it once was, and that's what we as human beings are. We're full of dignity and beauty and value intrinsic to who we are, and we are deeply hurt to the point of even sometimes ruined by sin. And that's true of your parents, and that's true of you. Think about this of your parents. This is a really great exercise, especially for those of you with hurting relationships with your parents. What are traits and characteristics of your parents that you can honor? Because they're a human, they're made in the image of God, which means there are things about them that are good. What are those things? And, this is hard for some of you also, what are the things about your parents that are wrong, that are sinful, that are broken? I guarantee that there is something in each of those that our parents are glorious ruins, our parents have honorable traits and our parents have sinful traits and that we as children have honorable traits and we have sinful traits and you combine those two things together and you get broken homes, broken parent-child relationships where parents sinfully oppress and abuse and ignore and hurt us and where we as children sinfully disobey and rebel and ignore our parents. And all too often our relationship with our parents is marked by tears and by frustration and by yelling and by years of silent treatment and by slamming doors and by comments like, don't you roll your eyes at me? And do you even love me? And the reality is that the reality that we, you and I live in is that our relationship with our parents is fraught by sin. And so in that, I want to try and give you some godly advice to the extent that I can on how we interact with our parents in that holding in tension this reality of what Paul commands us, the vision that Paul commands us to, and the reality of living in a sinful world. These are from a really brilliant theologian named John Stott, and these are general principles. These are not, you know, if there's stuff in your world, that I, I, we have to see how this applies. So, um, but here's the principle. As you mature, your obedience should mature from unquestioned obedience to honor. As you mature, as you grow older, that your obedience should shift from unquestioned obedience to honor. Listen to me carefully. What do I mean by that? It means that as a child, you owe unquestioned obedience to your children I mean, to your parents, except when they contradict God's word. As a child, you owe unquestioned obedience to your parents except when they contradict God's word. That means that as an adult, you owe unquestioned honor to your parents as long as they're alive. As an adult, you owe unquestioned honor to your parents as long as you're alive. And as a college student, you owe them considered obedience and unquestioned honor. As a college student, you owe them considered obedience and unquestioned honor. That means as a child, we obey them all the time unless they tell us something that is contrary to Scripture. As an adult, we always honor them. And as a college student, which is where we are now, you owe them considered obedience and unquestioned honor. We don't always owe them obedience. Sometimes our parents will tell us to do things that is contrary to God's word. Of course we cannot obey them. We must obey God's words first. But we always owe them honor. Even horrid people that they can sometimes be, we owe them honor as our elders and as the authority that God has placed over us. And that's what it means when Paul says obey them in the Lord, that we obey them only to the extent that it aligns with what God has for us, with what Christ has for us. Now, I know that each one of you is rushing around in your own mind to the particular example or case or questioning how that looks in your relationship. And I don't honestly know what that looks like in your, parent relationship, in your relationship with your parent. I don't know. But I'm more than willing to explore it with you and to try and figure it out. It takes wisdom to discern how do we apply this How do we apply this? And that brings us to the last point. Here Paul gives us this vision, this subversive vision of what a parent-child relationship can be, which shows us the reality of how sin affects that relationship, which then begs the question of how the heck am I supposed to do this? How the heck am I supposed to do what Paul calls me to do? Where do I get the power to do this? in this weird college phase of I kind of owe them obedience and I kind of always owe them honor and I don't know what to do. Does that mean I have to go home this weekend or not? Does that mean I need to talk to my parents every day or not? How do we get the power to do that? And that is where we run back to the gospel, run back to Jesus. You've heard me say this before, that the gospel is not just what we believe to get saved and be okay with God. The gospel is also the solution and the power to Christian living, including with our parents. So how does the gospel of grace apply to this? Well, to get that, we actually have to go back a little bit to chapter uh, 5, verse 1. Listen to what Paul says. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So here is Paul. He says, Be imitators of God as beloved children, which is so interesting That he says you are God's child, and then in light of being God's child, he calls us to be honoring and obedient children. That the first relationship that we have as Christians is those who are children of God. That we are called to obey God out of God's love towards us. What does that mean? That we are called to obey and submit to our parents because of God's love towards us, shown to us in Jesus be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love even with towards your parents. Walk in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up as a fragrant offering. So you see here that God's love, even God, God's love motivates our love. God's love motivates our love even towards our parents into obeying them. As Christians, our first identity, our primary identity is as God's beloved children, bought with a price, bought through Jesus' blood, His fragrant offering and sacrifice for us. And that means that as God's beloved children, we can obey God's command to obey our parents. Knowing God's love is total, complete, and not changing. Listen to this carefully. The power to honor and obey your parents as children flows out of God's love for you. As his child, the power to honor and obey your parents as their children flows out of God's love for you as his child. In Jesus' love, it's Jesus' love that fuels our obedience, first to God and then to our parents. And as his love seeps into our bones, as it seeps into our hearts and warms our hearts towards what God God has done for us, it fuels us, it motivates us to do what God calls us to do, which is obey and honor our parents. As children of God, we submit as children to our parents. Do you see how that works? That God's love empowers and fuels our love. The engine of obeying and honoring our parents is Christ's love for us that we should be called children of God. And that love has the power to transform your home. That's the power that can take this this reality of broken relationships with our parents and turn it into this incredible community of love and mutual submitting and loving and caring and nurturing each other. It's only in what Jesus has done for us. What's that mean? It means look to Jesus again and again and again. When you're like, I cannot live with my parents again, it means look to Jesus and how he loves you. And from that will slowly come the ability to grow in our obedience and our honor for our parents. Would you pray with me?